Smith Podcast. You're tuned in because either you're an entrepreneur, a mama, or both, and sometimes you just need a minute to, well, just be. And on this show, you'll get a lovely mixture of business and branding genius, faith and motivation, and if you're a mama, you understand conversations. Because let's be honest, we are fabulously multifaceted and amazing. So thanks for popping by. I'm really glad you're here. Girl, let's get into it here on the Britney Smith Podcast. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to season four, season four of the Britney Smith Podcast. I am like so, so hyped because this season we are focusing on six-figure women who are killing it in their business that made the decision, you know what? I am going to kill the game. I'm going to crush it and I'm going to get after it. And so everyone that we talk to in this season is going to have surpassed that mark. And we're going to get into the nitty gritty of the journey because many of us are, are headed in that same direction. And sometimes you need to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, straight from the lady boss's mouth on how she got there, but then also that it is possible for all of you who are listening as well. So today we have Susan Meyer of Susan Meyer Studio, and she's going to give us some insight into the journey. She's a coach. She's a strategist. She's a creative. She's amazing. And I'm so, so glad that she's here with us today. So Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Brittany. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So Susan, I want you to tell us in your words, who you are, what you do, and why you're qualified to have this conversation. (laughs) So uh, as you said, I am a brand strategist who uh, spends most of my time nowadays working with women who are on the journey, as you described, who are either launching a new business, trying to grow their business. Some of them are reentering the workforce after some time off. Some of them are in a job they don't like and looking to make a change, but they're doing some self-reflection about their careers and wanting to move forward or side, you know, sideways and then forward. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, I spent 20 years doing brand strategy for corporate brands. I still do some of that work. Um, but I had an insight a few years ago that the same tools and principles that you use to sell cereal, right. They apply when you're thinking about how do I sell myself, right? How do I explain my story before you start selling? How do I actually tell my story to other people so they understand it. And I think we've probably all had this experience where you walk into a room or a virtual room and you you have to uh, introduce yourself as you're asking me to right now, right? And (laughs) and you're like, oh my God, how do I explain to people what I do? Especially if you're in kind of that transition moment, it can feel really awkward. And so doing that work of thinking back over your past and maybe it's a little eclectic or maybe you've been out of it for a little while and writing that story and owning that story so that you can tell it to other people in a way that you feel good about that's authentic to who you are that's relevant to who they are right if there's somebody that might be become part of your circle so it should have something that that you know kind of clicks for them or sparks for them 
Um, and doing that, just writing that story and going through that process actually really helps people then think about what the road ahead is going to look like and help them form their goals, their wish list, their intentions, um, and kind of craft that path forward. Awesome. That is so awesome. And you know what? I think one of the things that I have really come to accept and really love about, um, you know, developing brands nowadays is that your brand is really closely connected to who you are as a person. It's really closely connect connected to your story, like you're, like you're saying. And um, I think people haven't fully made that connection yet. You know, they're like, I want to be a business. I want to be a brand. I want to be this. But then they are like somebody completely different than what they're presenting in their business. And that's why they're not attracting the right people. Um, right. And so, and then on the, on the deeper level, do you even know yourself enough to be able to, to create a brand that aligns with who you are? Because there's an identity issue there as well. And so I'm sure you take people through that process from the very beginning all the way through to the end. So talk to us a little bit about like, if you had to kind of pinpoint some of the major markers in that process, what yeah. would some of those things be? So you are spot on in exactly what you said. And when I do this work with companies, I usually start the process by making them think about their customers or their audience first, because when you're in an organization, it's easy to get all like, oh, here's what we do. Amazing. Oh, look at our growth. Oh, look at our products. We, you know, we just developed this new thing. It's so cool. And they forget to think about their customers. What we do typically as entrepreneurs and as female entrepreneurs, even more so in my observation, we're always thinking about what other people need and how we can serve and what, what the ask is out there. And we forget to think about, wait a second, this has to be something that my heart is in that aligns with mm -hmm. my health. So I flip that when I do this work now. Um, and so we start the process with the know yourself module. So the framework is know yourself, know your audience, know your promise. Right. And the promise becomes both kind of the promise that you're making when you tell your brand story mm -hmm. and then the promise of kind of, you know, where you're going to go, that sort of future promise. So starting with know yourself, self-reflection, we do work on core values and then really like rolling out what does that actually mean in terms of, you know, the way you show up in the world today and where you might show up in the world tomorrow and what that means for your business um, we do uh, an exercise around um, what makes you uniquely you. So take the credentials and the resume stuff off the table for a second. I make them do it in collages and pictures and post-its, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like, oh, they're just going to tell me their resume, but really think about like who, you know, what are your superpowers? What's your special sauce? What's like, makes ah. you that's and hard, Susan. That is hard, hard okay? So it's super hard. So I make them do that first. And then I have them go out and ask people that know them well. It could be a boss. It could be a peer. It could be a mentor, whatever. It could be somebody that works for them um, to give them feedback. So give them a few adjectives to describe them, give them a testimonial, write them a little blurb. And that starts to weave in with like, okay, this is my self-perception. And inevitably the feedback that comes back is even more positive and glowing and contains a few surprises, right? About what those people value about working with them. So we start to kind of get this whole picture of who you are and what you bring to the table. Right. And then we do some exercises about like, what do you actually want, right? Like, what do you actually want to do? Because I think a lot of it, I know for me, like 
it took me a long time to actually own like that I should want something. And then, <laughs> how about that? First period. Yeah. Right. That. And then to get to a point where I was able to really clearly see, and I call my workshop envision because for me, that's what it is. Like, can you close your eyes and see it? Right. Can you envision what it is that you want moving forward? And that can be really hard because yes. you first have to give yourself permission to do it. And then you actually have to sit and like sit with it and dream it. And, right. and not let like the little evil sensor in your head, I call it the evil twin, tell you like, that's too hard. You're not good enough. You know, you won't have time to do that. You won't make any money doing that. Just put that aside and figure out like where you actually want to be. Because if you can see it, or like the old, if you can dream it, you can do it. If you can see it, you can do it. I think. Yes. Yes. So we do that self-work first, and then we move into the kind of know your audience. And I use the word audience because it's broad enough to encompass all the different things. You know, not everybody's a business owner with a customer. Many right. are. But sometimes right. people are looking for a new job and their audience is a future employer. Maybe they're looking for a board seat or, you know, some other sort of thing. But whoever it is that you're going to be telling your story to is the audience for your story, right? Like if you write something, you have a reader. If you are crafting this story, you have a listener. And so you wanna make sure that your story is not just authentic to you and like kind of accurate of who you are, but also thinking about like, what do they need? Like what's right. in it for them so that they can really connect with your story and not just, well, they need a new HR manager, but why do they need a new HR manager? Well, maybe, you know, they want to look like a hero or like they want to grow their business or they, right. you know, whatever it is that like the kind of, so what for that audience so that mm -hmm. you can really have a message that resonates. Right. Right. So, 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 so good. And, you know, again, giving people insight into what's really required to establish a brand story. Um, I had a call with a client today and she's like, yeah, I just need you to revamp my website for me, um, you know, because I want to focus on life coaching. And then when I went to her current site, I'm like, well, where's your website? It used to be hername.com. And now it was like her name, it was like tinaspeaks.com. But she wants to focus on life coaching. And I'm like, okay, so problem number one we're confused. Okay. <laughs> and I started to really dig into, well, why do you want a life coach? Who do you want a life coach? What is, what is your sweet spot? Like, what can you really offer? And where is that experience coming from? Like we have to get the story together so that when we tell it, it makes sense. And it's not one of those popcorn kind of, you know, experiences for your client, because especially when you do where you're dealing with coaching, like your client has to know that they need you and they have to know it immediately and not have to guess and figure out whether or not it's going to work out. Um, yeah. And if you you're, yeah, if you're unclear, they're definitely going to be <laughs> unclear. Um, and it was almost like a light bulb went off for her. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I'm nodding because I have this experience all the time where people will come to me going like, I need this deliverable, right? Like I need the website. I need a logo. And we go, all right, step it back. <laughs> you know? yes, like, yes. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? What is this whole thing about? Because you can't jump right into the creative until you know, as you well know, because this is what you do, right? Like you can't jump right into the creative until you've done all that other foundational work. And then the other thing that I heard you say, which I, I wanted to highlight, because it's really important, is like when you said like, who's it for? 
Well, before you even get into the stuff I was talking about, like, what do they need and what do they aspire to? Like a lot of people really need to drill down on who they're for and who they're not for. Cause I think yeah. there's temptation. I know I went through it. Most people I know go through when they start a business, you are like, well, I just want people to pay me. I don't care. Who yes. It is. <laughs> <laughs> starting, right. I'll take anything. And, and the, the danger, and that's probably okay. Right. In the beginning, but the danger of doing that is that you can't be for everyone because right. if you're for everyone, you're for no one, right? Nobody, yes. they don't know how to find you if you're for right. everyone. And it took me a really long time to get really specific about who I was targeting. And by the way, it doesn't stop other people from coming to me because that's the right. fear. Right. Right. So like, you know, a few years, 10 years ago, when I was starting my brand strategy business, it was, I was doing a lot of healthcare work and I, it took me years to say, I serve life sciences clients. And guess what? I still had a ton of consumer goods, retail, technology, financial services, people coming. <laughs> They didn't care, but right. it helped me build that healthcare business. Same thing when I started doing this work, I was like, well, should I say that it's for women? Like, I really want to work with women. That's mainly who I work for, but I'm, I'm leaving like, you know, stuff on the table. Sure enough, I put a stake in the ground. This is work for women. I still have men come and be my clients. It all, right. it is all right. you know, like what I would say on that is try to put aside that fear right. that you're going to limit yourself by, by specifying. And the more you niche, the more memorable you are and the easier it is for other people to recommend you because they know exactly who you're for. Absolutely. And thank you for pinpointing that because like you're saying, you know, for those who are solopreneurs, we, you know, we're in the hustle. We don't really have a team. We need the money, you know, if we could be totally honest. Right. And so it is a fear um, of ours to, turn money away. But the other thing that I realized is that not all money is good money for you and your business oh, yeah. because your time is your money, right? And so when you're working with clients who not who are not aligned with you, you're spending more time on them. You are losing sleep, losing peace over working with somebody who's not really a good fit just so that you can get a couple dollars in the bank. Um, and that it's not worth it. I find that it is not worth it. I'd rather like work for or work with someone who is like my person. And I would get so much more fulfillment out of that um, than working with any old person that just like, you know, like you said, needs a deliverable. And so they're yeah. like, just give it to me. Um, so it, it's so huge. And I think we also kind of go through these different phases in our business where we'll niche down a little bit We'll work at that level for a little while and then we'll niche down a little bit more as we get to know ourselves and as we get more comfortable and confident in the space, um, which is I'm literally in one of those transitions myself where it's like, okay, I know who I want to work with now and I'm okay with saying I want to work with this person versus, you know, because like you're saying, everybody knows me for branding, brand strategy, and I get men, women, older people, younger people, like I get all kinds of people and I'm like, okay, let me, I'm, I'm, I'm this guys, but they don't care. You know? <laughs> like you yeah. said, they do yeah. not care. Um, so, so talk to us about your personal journey, like from when you started the brand strategy side of your business and just kind of like some of the ups and downs and lessons that you right. learned from there to here. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll, I will take you all the way back and go through the journey, but I just wanted to comment on one thing that you said, which is part of the journey. Like when you were saying, you know, when you take that work, that's not exactly the right fit, but you don't want to leave the money on the table. And 
boy, did I learn that lesson the hard way. Like that is a big one on that journey. Um, and the, the like other piece of that is that not only are you kind of miserable and not doing the work you want to be doing, but you're also taking up the space and time and energy that you could be doing business development for the work you do want to be doing. Yes. So I'll come back to all of that. So my, (laughs) my quick story is I, um, I started my career in like management consulting, like strategy consulting with the Boston consulting group. Um, but I was actually an art history major. I'm an art visual artist on the side. And I found, I found the strategy piece really interesting, but there was no visual component to the work. And so I knew that I wanted something that had that. And that's kind of how I fell into brand because there are these creative deliverables. Mm -hmm. I also really loved doing um, customer research work, you know, going out and doing focus groups and one-on-ones and I was walking dot people's dogs with them. I was like going through ladies' lingerie drawers with that. It was fascinating just to hear these like really, um, first of all, just like learn about how people think about the world, but also hear about this like intimate connection they have with the brands that they love. Like when you hear mm-hmm. moms talk about the breakfast cereal they'd buy for their kids, it's like, it goes deep. Yes. You, know, you think like, I thought this was cereal. And yes. so anyway, I found that very inspiring. So, um, so I worked, like I said, I really wanted to get in the, like the visual side of it. So I worked for a couple different boutique agencies. The last one I worked for was a packaging design agency. So that was really fun because I was a strategy director, but it was a design firm. It's a beautiful, talented designers who worked there. We made like tangible objects, right? Like yes. that stuff that we did, like sat on the shelf. And that was really fun. And I learned a ton doing that. Um, but the jumping off point for me really, um, to starting my own business was a very practical one. I mean, I wish I could tell you it was some like intellectual or creative reason, but I had little kids, I had little kids, your age and working in an agency, it's a client service business. You have to be ready to jump when they say jump, you have to be, you know, ready to work late at the drop of a hat, travel at the drop of a hat. And I just, I was missing, all the doctor's appointments, all the firsts, all the recitals, all the drop-offs. And I just was not happy. That just was not for me. I didn't have that for my parenting experience. Um, And I was also not having any time to do, I mean, especially at that time with little kids, I, you know, making art is a really important practice for me. It's never been kind of like the way I chose to make money through doing that, but it's a, I take it as seriously as the business that I run and I, and I wasn't having space for that or for my kids. So I kind of, you know, held my breath and jumped off the cliff. And like, I was like, am I going to be able to support myself doing this? But I was kind of at that rock and a hard place where I was like, I just don't even care. Like, I just can't do this anymore. Um, and so grateful and so lucky um, that there were a bunch of kind of four, actually my first clients were a classmate, a woman who used to work for me, another former colleague. And it was just like the universe reached out and said, yep, you're doing the right thing. And, you know, people are gonna, people are gonna see it. So we had a lot of work that first year. Um, did a lot of really kind of beautiful design work as well, which was nice because I wasn't sure if I was just going to be kind of like a freelance hired gun strategist because I would have taken that work at that time. Right. right. Um, Anyway, long story short, um, another kind of learning. So that was 12 years ago. And like you said, I think that was a really good way of saying it. Like you, it's a process of niching down 
right? I think it's perfectly fine and normal if you're just first starting your business to go like, let's throw everything against the wall and see what stick. It's fine in the very beginning, right. but then, you know, more quickly than I did it, I would recommend you do that a little more quickly, but, you know, try to focus on, you know, so I, I focused on, okay, I'm going to do brand positioning. That's like the world within branding that I'm going to work on. Um, and then it was like, I'm going to focus on health and wellness um, and, you know, and narrower and narrower. And then it became like, what types of clients, like, what are the characteristics of the clients that I want to work with? What values do they have? What are the, you know, parts of health and wellness that they play in? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. The other thing I wanted to mention, which goes back to the business development cycle and the like, do you take that job or not? Um, another big learning as a as a freelancer, and this is probably true for lots of uh, entrepreneurial businesses. Sorry, not freelancer. I'm independent consultant, which is different, but also true for freelancers. There's this like boom and bust cycle. And so you, until you get a hold of it and know that that's coming, what happens is you're like, oh my God, we're so busy. This is awesome. I'm like working and working and working. And then all of a sudden, all three of your jobs end on the same week. And you're like, wait, <laughs> what do I do now? Because right. you know, like develop a new client in a day. And then you're like, oh my God, will I ever have another client again? Cause it's like two months and I'm you know, pounding right. the pavement. And then after a couple of years of doing that, and then sure enough, it comes back after a couple of years of doing that. What I realized is that I needed to treat business development as a client. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, that's, I put aside a certain number of hours a week where I'm doing stuff. And I, it's, I make it like not onerous and terrible. Like I'm not cold calling people. I write a newsletter, like I create content, you know, I Twitter, et cetera you know, just to kind of connect with people. That's all I need to do for business development. Just kind of right. like build awareness, build connections, build relationships, but I have to make space to do that. Right. Right. The real thing, not as like an extra thing that I do on top of the client work. Right. And I think that, um, a lot of people feel like they don't have time for that. Even like, I don't know, you know, you talk about the boom and bust cycle, like, some people don't even feel like they have space and time for that, even when things are low. You know what I'm saying? I think that um, instead of resulting to the business development piece, they go into hustle mode and yeah. like, I got I to gotta get, I got to find another client. Okay. And then this is where we kind of get ourselves in trouble, right? Because we'll start to create things that, that aren't really related to what we're doing or we'll, we'll pick yeah. up the other side hustle that, you know, we know we can make some quick cash with or whatever, but how important is the power of focus, in this process. Yes. And I did all that stuff in those first few years, because like when you start to hear crickets, you go into panic mode and you go back to whatever side hustle it is, or, you know, you can like make a few dollars or whatever. And that was like, after two or three years of doing that, that was like the insight. It's like, I'm wasting my time doing that stuff and it's not helping me grow the business. And it's just kind of having that aha moment of like, okay, don't go into panic mode get out ahead of this so that you don't get into panic mode. And so that you have kind of a stream of things and, you know, maybe depends what business we're talking about, but diversify the portfolio a little bit. So, you know, if you were to run a clothing store, you wouldn't just have one shirt. Right. Right. Like if, right. And I think as a service business, we often forget that. Like, so think about what are the different 
types of work that you might do or types of clients that you might serve. And I think that's kind of how I started doing this um, coaching work, um, which really developed organically from, you know, friends or friends of friends would come to me and they would say, like, I have a small startup business. I can't afford you. You know, I'm not a corporate brand, but I need what you do. And then I started to see, like I said before, how completely applicable all those tools and principles are. And then a couple of people started to come with me, come to me and say, I actually need to think about my personal brand. Like I'm up for a government position or I'm up for a board seat and I, I want to do some therapy. You know, I want to be like, do more thought leadership work. Can you help me think about how to package that? And I found that work, the, the personal work and the entrepreneurial work so gratifying. It was so yeah. Personal, the impact is so immediate. You're helping people move their lives forward. Yes. And not that it's not like great to help a company and then see them go public a couple months later. That's great. But yeah. for me, this feels much more like, you know, soul work. Like that's absolutely. Yeah. I, so I, I, so, yeah. Portfolio to doing that. More yeah. Than, yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree 1000% um, in terms of like the love for that kind of work. Um, it, it is rewarding, um, you know, because we're nurturers as women, we're nurturers. We want to see people win. We're just like, you know, we're cheerleaders at heart, um, you know, so and then, you know, being able to cheer on other women you know, to be able to help other women in their businesses is even more empowering, right? Um, so let's talk about, um, you know, we talk, We started this conversation with the idea of getting to the heart of the person before we could even talk, you know, the business side, the branding side. So how much does being your best self affect the success of your business? Yeah, I think it's all intertwined. I mean, especially if you're a solopreneur, but even if you're the kind of founder and you're building something bigger, um, you have to first know and take care of yourself, right? Before, I mean, it's true as a mom too. You have to kind of be centered in yourself, know who you are, know what you believe in, do a little self-care before you can actually be a good parent. Same thing. You're birthing a company. You have to actually be really clear about who you are before you can, because if you, if you build stuff, if you build a, a company or a set of products because you're chasing a trend, but it doesn't really connect with who you are, it's just not going to feel, people can feel it. People can feel the authenticity and the genuineness. And then for you, you're going to get bored. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're not going to, your heart's not going to be in it for very long. And then the trend will move on. And then where are you? You right. know, if you do something that's on trend, that's like actually truly in your heart, even if that trend moves on and changes, it's still in your heart. So you're going to figure out another way to do it or evolve it. And it's going to still be engaging. It's like writing a book. I got this advice about writing a book. Like don't write a book unless it's something that you really feel passionate about and can like talk about all day long for like, years because that's how long it takes to write a book <laughs> you know and it's true it's true for your business too so yeah having that alignment is uh is really important both for you and for your business 
Absolutely. And then, so, you know, as we are becoming more authentic and we're getting to know ourselves and we're taking care of ourselves, what are some ways that we can guard against comparing ourselves with the person next to us? Because that's often something, you know, as we're trying to grow in ourselves, it's really, really difficult to not compare and not look at what she's doing over there. So how, how are some ways or what are some ways rather that we can kind of guard against that? That's such a good one. And it's so hard. And especially now, like everything is kind of out there on social media. And by the way, amplified, like it seems like people are doing better than they are. Right. Yes. Yes. You know, and it's like the, you know, coveting my neighbor, right? Like it's kind of human nature. You kind of want to see how other people are doing. It is the fastest path to unhappiness. And by the way, there's a lot of research about happiness research about that. That is like the number one antidote to happiness is comparing (laughs) to other people. But I always think of it like, so when I was a kid, I was a competitive swimmer. And one of the first things they teach you um, is because, you know, when you're a little kid, the natural inclination is, you know, you're paddling, you're stroking, you have to, you have to lift your head out of the water to breathe. But what you want to do when you do that is kind of look up and look at the people in the next lane to see where you are. Are you ahead of them? And that slows you down, right? Like inevitably, it's just, that's just science, but you don't realize that as a kid. So that's like the first thing the coaches teach you is like, don't look, don't look. They're like, no, no, you're in the pool. And that's how you get faster. And I love that as an analogy, because it's exactly what happens to you in, well, in any capacity, but since we're talking about running a business, it's going to slow you down because you're going to spend all your time looking around, like, look, who's on that Instagram feed? What are they doing? No, you know what? It's fine to like check it out and get inspired. Better right. yet, if you feel like sending them a little note of congratulations because it's nice to see other people succeeding. But if you're turning that ar- around in your head and going like, why is she doing that thing? And I can't figure out how, why does she have so many flop followers? Or like, why is her? It's you're just wasting time and you're just putting right. like negative energy out there. And you know, the other thing I would say, because I came up through like this classic strategy background. So like the strategy frameworks always have competition as one of the things in the frameworks, you look at like your company, your collaborators, the context, the customers and the competitors. And it's usually very heavily focused on, you know, looking at competitors. So how are you going to differentiate from your competitors, which is not unimportant, right? Like you do want to be different from the other people out in the field, but that whole language around the word strategy comes from war, comes from military. Is that how you feel? You want to run your business like that? I don't. I mean, maybe some people, you know, are more wired like that, but I don't want to feel like I'm going to war every day when I'm at work. Right. Right. You know, I want to do my thing and feel like I'm expressing who I am and bringing my best to the table. I want to see other people I care about and work with doing their best. And I don't want to have that feeling inside of me. Like I got to kill them. Like, <laughs> right. Them, you know? Right. No, I love that. And, and so as you're talking, I'm thinking like, what if we change the word competitors to collaborators? Um, I love what you said about, you know, instead of like, comparing yourself what if you send that person a note saying hey you are killing the game like you are doing amazing work keep it up um because oftentimes the people that we see that are competitors they're going through the same thing internally that we are 
you know, they're looking at us like, oh my gosh, how is she doing this? And, you know, meanwhile, we're over here beating ourselves up, like do better. You know, it's, it's really this like mental web that we get caught up in. And so what if we look at the person who might be in the same business or the same industry as us as a potential collaborator? How can we serve this community together? You know, I've been reading my newsletter because I literally <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> I no. love that. That's exactly the right reframing. And it's really been noticeable to me in the last few years since I started doing the coaching work because, you know, especially because I'm, it's a new thing, right? Get into it, looking around what other people are doing. And I mean, how many coaches are out there? There's a lot. A kajillion. <laughs> and even when you dig down into the type of coaching I do, there's a lot of coaches. And it would be really, if I was looking at them as competitors, it would be really easy to get discouraged and just Absolutely. be like, oh my God, the world does not need one more career coach. But Absolutely. that's not true, right? Because yeah. We- one of us brings something different to the table. We have a different set of experiences, a different set of outlooks, a different personality and style and all that stuff. Right. So what I started doing is I started reaching out, like when I would meet other coaches at a event or whatever, even on LinkedIn and just be like, Hey, do you want to chat? And sure enough, even when like our target market is literally on top of each other, we are essentially what you would call competitors. It's like a completely different vibe when you reach out and you're like, hey, let's be friends. Like, tell me about Absolutely. your business. Hey, maybe we can refer people to each other. Like, maybe we can lift each other somehow, you know, yeah. whatever it is. And I have 100% of those interactions. Those people have been both into it, grateful, gracious, yeah. fun to talk to. I've learned something from them, sending each other business sometimes. Like that is, I think, a very successful strategy. It's, it's beautiful. And um, I taught a class on brand visibility and that was one of the strategies that I'm like, look, if you guys serve the same audience, you guys can do a, a event together. You can swap pages for a day because now their audience gets a little bit of your flavor. Your audience gets some of their flavor. Like is there's always more people to go around <laughs> than there are coaches, you know, at the end of the day. And like you said, you know, you might be somebody's preference over a coach that does the same thing for you just because they like how your hair is styled. You know, like <laughs> that's a, clients are kind of like that in some ways where it's like, okay, I have these two people to choose from. I, I like her brand colors better. Like I just, I'm just drawn to the color, you chemistry, know, it, right? Like any yeah. relationship, there's inexplicable chemistry. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I love that. Um, so I have two more questions for you. Um, one, because remember, I, I want to, kind of highlight the whole six-figure journey, right? So let's talk about like how incrementally you like raised your prices, right? Like talk about that, that part of the journey. Yeah, that's such, such a good question. Okay. I'm going to start with the, the punchline, which is when in doubt, charge more. Mm. (laughs) That's the punchline. So what I, so I came from, so when I started my business, like I said, you're like, oh my God, can I do this? Will people pay me? So I was pricing more like in my head, like if I price a little bit lower, you know, trying to calculate what I made in my last job and then do whatever the math is for freelance and then price a little bit below market. And then maybe people will hire me. And what I discovered doing that, well, first of all, you have more work and less time. So do the math on that. That does not make sense. (laughs) But But then also what started to happen is that like, let's say you price it like, 
you know, your choices, you could price it $100 an hour price point or $200 an hour price point. Well, the person you go to work for or the brief that you respond to that's asking for a $100 an hour person, they have in mind a certain set of activities, a certain skill set that you're bringing to the table that's different from the $200 an hour person. And so even if you're actually fine with doing that work and making that money, it actually turned out to be, so when I took those lower paying jobs, instead of doing like interesting, creative, strategic thinking, I was proofreading decks. And I was, I'm not good at proofreading decks. Like nobody wants me to proofread a deck. I was doing project management stuff. Like we're, yeah. I'm not good at that. And I don't like to do that. Right. Yeah. So that was a very quick learning uh, in the beginning is like, that's one pitfall of pricing too low. And I think that goes for also for like a product, right? Like there's a signaling effect of the price that you, not that you want to price gouge, but like there is a signaling effect of the price that you put on something. So I also make jewelry and I think about that, like, how do I price jewelry? And, you know, on the one hand, you're like, Oh, Oh, I feel bad charging that. Cause like, I just want somebody to wear it and be happy. But right. then on the other hand, you also have to show, like, I put a lot of work into it. It's made with precious metal. Like, so you kind of have to balance those two things. Right. And then over time, don't forget to raise your prices because you get in the mindset or you get in the groove, you're in a good place. You figured all that stuff out that we were just talking about. And then it's really easy to go on autopilot for like years being like, yeah, my hourly rate. This is my, you know, day rate. And then suddenly you're like, oh, wait, but I've been doing this for five more years than I was before. I know a lot more stuff. Um, maybe I want to do work. That's a little more challenging and interesting. So just remember to check in with yourself and nobody's ever blinked an eye. Like my, like a current yeah. client, I raised the price. They don't blink an eye. Cause once they are with you and they know what value you have and they already like you, they get it. Yeah. Raise the prices. It's fine. Yeah. So I would say that as well. Don't be afraid to do that. Absolutely. And so um, the last question that I have for you is, tell us about the moment that you hit six figures. What was it like? Like all the feels, like, I I just want to, I just want to know, like, tell us about it. (laughs) Well, it was, I want to say year two or three after starting out. So I had gone from a six figure job. To free, you know, to the independent consulting. And, you know, I knew that I was going to take a pay cut, but I was also like on my own with two kids. I was like, it really in like a place where I was like, I got to pay rent. (laughs) You know, like, oh, I'll do this fun thing on the side. Um, So I knew I was taking a pay cut and it was okay. You know, I made, I made good money the first couple of years, but it was when I came back up to that number that I had been making before that's when I felt like you, okay, I know you made the right choice for so many other reasons. I knew I made the right choice, but I was really worried that I wasn't kind of doing right by my family. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, it's one thing for me to say, oh, well, we can live with less, but it's another thing to say like, oh, wait, I can't send my kid to summer camp because I quit my job. Right. Right. (laughs) So so that was like, and that was probably like, like I said, two, three years in got back to that number. And then I was like, okay, everything from here is good because I'm not, I didn't lose anything. Everything is additive. Right. Right. And so would you say then that your journey really wasn't, you weren't pursuing the money necessarily, but you were pursuing that freedom. You're pursuing that flexibility. You're pursuing that creativity uh, to just be able to do what you wanted to do. Right. Yeah. 
And I needed the money to be at a certain level that I was comfortable, that I didn't feel like I had left so much on the table by leaving an employer job, right. um, that I wasn't stressing about money, that I wasn't living month to month. You know, like I, I, there were certain financial goals that were very important right. to me. Um, but I, the motivator was not to make more money. It was more, right. I mean, I wanted to basically stay on track of like where I would have gone in my career money-wise. Um, but the motivator was absolutely freedom. And it turns out when I did my own core values exercise that that's like my number one core value. So yes. that was, I was like, Oh, <laughs> it makes sense now, but I did it. And honestly, it made me feel better about the whole thing. When I, when I realized that like, no, I'm just living in my values. I'm not being selfish or foolish or like hasty or any of those right. things we worry about when we move from a full-time job to a, you know, starting your own business. It was like, no, I'm just living in my values. And that's the only way that I can live. Right. Right. That was, that was also very kind of uplifting for me. Did you, did you celebrate like the milestone? At all. I mean, I guess because you've been there corporately, it, it's a little bit different, but still like it's a major accomplishment to, to do it something is. like that on your own. You know, we used to sell, we did not celebrate that specific milestone. And I say we, because the first two years I ran the business was a, I had a business partner who ended up going off and doing something else, but it was nice also in the first couple of years to do it with somebody else. Yeah. Um, lot. And uh, <laughs> what we would do in those first couple of years is we would celebrate every milestone. So yes. every time we got a new client, every time we wrapped a job, we would go out, have a glass of wine, like tell each other how great we were. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Celebrating all those small milestones. So, you know, if, if getting to six figures is your like North star, like by all means do a blowout celebration. Maybe there's another metric, right. Or getting sure. to customers or whatever that is for sure. Celebrate it. But I would also encourage you to celebrate the small stuff because sometimes those big goals feel, feel and are so far away. Right. Right. That you're, you know, if you're working for two, three, five years to get to that big goal, it's like, when am I going to get there? Yeah. Yeah. Find some other stuff along the way to celebrate. Like this is in progress. This is I. I'm also like a very impatient person, so when I have those longer goals, it's like hard for me to stay like eyes on the prize, and it's easier right. for me to like like incrementally. You know, yeah. Well, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. This has been great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us like, what do you have for us? Like, what can we take advantage of now? Where can we find you? How can we connect all that good stuff? Absolutely. So if you go to embrace the zigzag, because that's what I talk about and write about is the zigzag <laughs> path, embrace the zigzag.com. And that will take you to my Susan Meyer studio website. And I've got a couple free downloads, um, five things you can start doing tomorrow um, and a you know, quick uh, mini quick start guide to building your brand. Those are for free. Um, you can also read about the workshops that I do. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and I also run group workshops. And I have a workshop that is starting mid-September and the registration is open there if people are interested.
Awesome. Embrace the zigzag.com. Susan, 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 thank you so much for joining us on the Brittany Smith podcast. I've had a blast having this conversation um, and I'm super excited for what's in store for you and your business as you track towards seven figures. We're just going to throw it out there now. Um, and we're just, we're so glad to have had you. Ladies, thank you so much for tuning in on another episode of the Brittany Smith podcast. If you're watching this in the Female Coaches Consultants and content creators group on Facebook. Thank you for watching. And if you're listening to the podcast, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe and all that good stuff so that you can continue on this journey with us on the Brittany Smith podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to leave a comment and then share this episode with another amazing lady who needs to hear today's show. Yes, girl, I'm serious. Just send her the link and say, girl, listen to this. Want to hang out with me every day? Head over to Facebook and join the Female Coaches, Consultants, and Content Creators group on Facebook. Or you can join my mailing list in the links below this episode. Girl, I enjoyed our conversation. Stay amazing and remember, you are loved, you are needed, and nobody, I repeat, nobody can do what you do the way you do it. See you next time on the Brittany Smith Podcast.